Welcome to Some Patches Required. My name is Zach. And my name is Aaron. And this week, we have a special guest from the Stew World Order podcast. But before we go to that, I do want to say, as always, thank you to all of the uh, new fans and all of the existing fans. We really appreciate your support for checking us out. Remember to please like, subscribe, comment, whatever the fancy schmancy thing is to show support on the different podcast platform, wherever you happen to be listening to us. We definitely appreciate it. And uh, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, Aaron, if you want to actually, I know typically the person that leads in talks a little bit about what we're going to be doing with the guests, but do you want to, do you want to do that for me? Yeah, I suppose I can do that. I, I also just wanted to say, um, since our episode that we did on the Stew World Order podcast is, you know, officially live, if you happen to find us through that, I'd like to extend a very uh, specific welcome to you all. Uh, we're happy to have you here if you are here. And if you're not here, we hope to have you hear us in the future i guess <laughs> um but yeah anywho uh this episode we uh managed to wrangle uh Stu away from his extremely busy schedule um and uh we talked about the current state of the mcu in um various different from 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 three different angles i believe uh, we each kind of came up with something that was interesting to us as we're moving into this new phase of the marvel cinematic universe and how it's working so far and what we think about where it's at and where we think it could go from here. Uh, and Stu, being the comic book aficionado that he is, had a great deal of insight. I blathered on and Zach brought up interesting points. I, I mean, I'm actually glad that you brought up, you know, part of the reason we had Stu on one is we, we've had a great time. Uh, talking to him so thanks Stu. i'm sure we'll say that plenty of times throughout the episode but uh he has way more comic book uh knowledge and a history of reading and being engaged with you know both dc and marvel at least in comparison to aaron and i so uh, we thought it'd be fun to have him on especially with all the uh new marvel disney plus series obviously this new phase is kind of kicking off um and i believe actually this coming week it'll date the episode a bit uh, before we're recording the new doctor strange uh, multiverse oh. movie comes out yeah on, on the 6th I think whatever day that is so uh, interesting time interesting time to be talking about it for sure yeah absolutely uh, and yet yeah, we we also we'll mention this in the episode uh, this is it's not video games but hey we're all nerds of different stripes <laughs> and it's uh, it's always it's always fun to break formula a little bit and talk about some other stuff that's interesting to us and dare we hope you yeah, so I guess without further ado, the magical uh, teleporty uh, transition sound, right? <laughs> you gotta stop giving me all these great clips. <laughs> and here we go! Welcome to the show, everybody. As promised, we have a very special guest, Stu from the Stu World Order podcast. How are you doing today, Stu? I'm doing all right. I'm somewhat special. I'm mildly special. It's not very special enough. That's putting a lot of pressure on me to perform today. Mildly special guest. Lukewarm special. <laughs> That's what we're yes, shooting uh, for uh, here. Uh, 
going for tepid special. Tepid special. Um, yeah. No, no. no I, I feel like you, you you qualify as a special guest uh, on the grounds that um, you were the first show that we ever guested on. Oh, was it? I didn't know that I was the first one. Well, I'm especially honored then. It is, as of the recording here, it's the most current episode that's come out of the Stew World Order. We did the movie Dread, yes. It was a good time. So thanks thanks again for having us on. And, and I got to sing your praise one more time as, at least out of all of the podcasts that we know in the indie space, Stew is the one that is by far the most proactive in uh, getting guests oh, on and getting it's, it's podcasts out. Yeah, so... Uh, so claps to you on that. I, I'm constantly impressed. I wish that we uh, were as far ahead in our planning as as you are. <laughs> yeah, I record very far in advance. I am constantly afraid something terrible is going to happen. So I record very far in advance. So I have a very big back catalog. I just uh, I can't stand the idea of, uh, you know, coming up and I don't know how people like, oh, I record one day and two days later the episodes out. I've recorded on some shows where I record and then later on that night they tell me the episodes out. I'm just like, how? How do you do that? How do you have the ability? Like my attention span isn't big enough. After I record the episode, I have to go wander away for like 24 hours. Yeah, I, I feel that. I feel that. We, we, um, there's been yeah. a few times where we've miscalculated with releases and had some, you know, tighter deadlines than we would have liked. But, uh, you know, we're, we're working at it. We're working at it every day. <laughs> every day's a little bit of an improvement. There's a reason the show's called Some Patches Required. It's somewhat <laughs> self referential. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, you know, before we, we hop into our, our main topic, which will be, um, various questions about the current state of the mcu which yeah you know it's not games but hey patches uh would you like to tell us a little about stew world order what the show's about how you got started any you know interesting curios curiosities fascinations interesting developments other other different superlatives <laughs> Sure. The way the Stew World Order works is we review comic book movies, so obviously I have a lot going on with the MCU and everything. And how I've decided it works is I have a list of, currently it's about 115, it's well over 100 comic book movies. And I have somebody come Yachters. on and say they're going to be a guest, and I say, alright, give me three numbers from, like, currently it'd be 1 to 115. So they give me the three numbers, I tell them, alright, here's the three movies you picked, which one do you want to do? And then, like, you guys had Dread, you guys tell me you want to watch Dread out of the three that you picked, so we watched and reviewed Dread. So then we get that one movie, and then our show's pretty formulaic. We talk a little bit in, in general about the movie, we talk about our guests at the beginning of the episode, then we give the movie the ups and downs. Because, you know, every movie, no matter how good or bad, there's positive and negatives to everything. And then we give it a rating out of 10 and every episode has kind of a tangential talking point. Something that I think about while I'm watching the movie that isn't about the movie so much itself. Whether it's about an actor in a movie or an award the movie was up for or something. We'll get into a little tangential talking point about what's going on with it. And in addition to the podcast, if you don't mind, I also have my website which is SWO Productions where we have... Uh, articles every weekday pretty much monday through friday we have new articles come out every yeah. day and it just runs the gamut from i review comic books i'll review wrestling pay-per-views if they're on i have uh people that write with me who do uh, they actually review the mcu tv shows they review sailor moon cartoons they review ninja turtle stuff just like all the ninja turtle stuff in general and then the one thing people always ask me about is i do pop tart quest where 
for the last few years, I just go to the store and buy all the flavors of Pop-Tarts. And one at a time, man, I am trying every Pop-Tart I can find and letting people know how they are. I have a friend that's doing the equivalent of that, but with Mountain Dew. And um, <laughs> it, it's actually my neighbors that I'm friends with. And apparently the last time they did it, they had like this whole Excel scoring chart that my friend Adam got nice. way too into. I think someone vomited from drinking too much Mountain Dew, though. Like it was <laughs> apparently kind of um, oh my god, kind of a form of torture, maybe more so than like an enjoying quest. Yeah, an enjoyable quest to find the best flavor of Mountain Dew. But anyway, sorry. That is my my <laughs> side tangent <laughs> comment. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my, my side tangent comment on that is we almost, I mean, I almost turned one episode of our podcast into that when the Moa Burger Pringles came out. Oh. Uh, and, uh, I, I got very into the concept of just, like, buying them and reviewing them, and I never did it or, in fact, brought it up to Zach. So <laughs> you're welcome, everyone. And for clarification, it was when Halo Infinite was was dropping. In case you didn't know about the like branding they did with Pringles, there's like the Moa Bird and Halo, and they were they were, it was like a teriyaki flavored. I, I don't remember. I read like the description of the flavor, if I'm not mistaken. It was a very interesting uh, tangent at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to me. Like all these brands just will release so many different flavors of their thing it's like you have a thing just do your thing you don't need to make it 78 different flavors but man they do people have told me after pop tart quest i should do oreos because apparently there's a hundred thousand different kinds of oreos in the world oh, but... there's some oreos does some they, they they've gone some places too <laughs> i don't I know we... right now i'm just sticking <laughs> to the pop tarts there's they keep releasing new pop tarts so i keep having new pop tarts to do they need to do like um a flavor of uh something where it's like all different pokemon it's like this is pikachu flavored or like <laughs> just something like really strange and morbid 151 flavors of pop tarts yeah yeah no i think i think there was on unironically oh a pikachu pop tart if I'm, oh, not I'm sure at this i'm point, sure there yeah. was yeah but, and anyway um <laughs> i have i have taken no us but i mean i'm gonna have to check out pop tart quest yeah, is that part of the main show, or is that one of the like? That's side just that's just on the website. The, oh, the, the okay. show is just comic book movies. You go to the website. There's one or two video Pop Tart quests I did, where I found out it pe makes people very uncomfortable if I give direct eye contact to the camera while I'm licking a Pop Tart <laughs> from head to bottom. But uh, most of the rest of Pop Tart quests is just articles that I've written, but they're on the website. Oh. I cannot wait to read those when we're done. Can we stop the recording so I can go read all of them now? We'll, There's we'll a rank solid them. like 30 to 40 at this point. It would take you a hot minute to go read them all. That's so good. This is fair. I love your new I have to dole out the content. Yeah. I, I love your new intro too, by the way, Stu, because all of the things that you just said, I, I was listening to the, the Dread episode that we just guested on and mm -hmm. you were like, yes, we really do talk about all of that. As you like yeah. kept going on about Sailor Moon and Pop-Tarts and stuff, I was like, geez, y'all really do cover quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, my one buddy has reviewed, like he's 170 some episodes deep into reviewing Sailor Moon. And I, the series is over, like Sailor Moon ended years ago, so he has them all written. But so far I'm publishing them in chunks and I'm up to like episode 170 some. I'm like, man, people really going to know all about Sailor Moon, man. Go for it. <laughs> 
Well, you got it. Hey, if there's enough content there to mine. Yeah, that's. I'm not going to tell people, like, you want to write something that I can put on my site and get you out there? You write whatever the hell you want. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You want to write about Sailor Moon? You write about Sailor Moon, goddammit. So, so Absolutely. What, what got you into Stew World Order? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, from a tweet that you made, you actually had a podcast before this current one. Yeah, prior to the Stew World Order, I was part of another podcast for about two to three years. Um, I don't think you can find it anywhere except still on Spotify. So if you want to check it out, the podcast was called Ghosts of the Stratosphere. And Spotify is the only place where the episodes still exist. If you want to check it out, knock yourself out. But um, it was called Ghost of the Stratosphere. It was strictly a comic book podcast. And that just kind of went its course. And we had some issues where we just split the, the podcast apart and I went my own way. And so I wanted to do comic book movies instead of just comic books because mm -hmm. I love comic books, but comic books make me a little bit mad sometimes, especially nowadays. And I wanted to go with more positivity and comic book movies generally fill me with happiness. No, no, I think that's great. Yeah. You definitely want to make sure whatever you're doing is, um, making you happy and not consistently mad I'd, I'd say for sure <laughs> especially if you know I, I forgot are you, do you release episodes weekly am I right on that or you buy weekly I I have a terrible terrible gimmick that my wife yells at me and says it's a terrible name but it is stew on the twos so I have episodes that come out on the second the 12th and the 22nd of every month so three uh, times a month okay I, I I like that name that naming scheme <laughs> you have there though I do like the name the name is I, very good you can be kind and say that. The first time I told it to my wife, she was like, that's stupid. You can't do that. And and here you are. No. And here you are thriving. I am. I don't <laughs> I don't listen to her. She's she's smart, but I'm going to do my own thing. <laughs> well, um no, no. I mean, I I can't wait to dig into some of the back catalog. I I uh I've enjoyed the stuff I've listened to so far and I'm uh just not to be over congratulatory to the point of being sickly sweet but you excited to have you on the show well i appreciate that i'm excited to be on i i loved you guys on the dread episode you guys are a blast to talk to so i was very excited to get to do an episode of yours also well i guess that's a good transition so so we're talking mcu right everybody i think everyone knows that we practiced ahead of time come on i'm looking for <laughs> nods anyway um on a serious wait note, no i thought Oh, what are you going to say, Aaron? The MCU, the Marie, Marie Kondo... Universe? Extended Universe. Ultimate. Oh. <laughs> uh, Marie Kondo Unlimited. I thought that's what Yes, that's what it is. I'm pretty sure that's what we agreed on. Uh, so I've prepared a lot of stuff about um, the objects in my room that bring me joy, and one of them right now is not my cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're just going to share... Watch over zoom the different uh, things that bring us joy and no one's going to be able to see it because it's a podcast so oh well um but uh no we're, we're talking but yeah no mcu actually mcu marvel cinematic universe uh and we're, we're going to be talking about like one point per each person in terms of kind of the state of the mcu uh and, and some questions we have you know for the the group here at large uh so Stu, i know that you you had a question or a uh, point of curiosity uh, regarding the direction of the MCU. So do you want to start us off in our conversation? Sure. So the issue, I guess not the issue, I guess the angle I was looking at everything from is I've been a big fan of the MCU to this point. I think pretty much from the beginning of phase three to the present, they've pretty much perfected their formula. There's been a couple 
near misses. Um, Black Widow wasn't great. Eternals wasn't particularly well beloved, but I thought they were fine for what they were. My concept is going forward. We know at this point, Disney has purchased Fox or at least their cinematic division, the 20th century Fox division. So we know the X-Men and mutants are coming. And I wonder at this point, how do you guys think they should bring mutants, the X-Men, what have you into the Marvel universe? And how would you like to see it handled vis-a-vis say how Fox handled the X-Men? Like, do you want to see different characters used? Do you want to see recastings of everybody that we've seen like Magneto and X-Men and or Magneto and Xavier and Wolverine and what have you? Or do you think they should kind of put those characters on the shelf for a bit and come at it from a different angle? What do you think at this point Considering the MCU already has right now a huge collection of characters, especially with what they're introducing on Disney Plus, what level of room, I guess, have they left for mutants? Aaron, do you want to tackle That's that one first? That's a big question. <laughs> or do you want me to tackle I mean, I tackle guess. my side? I I can go uh, if you want. I can I can try I can try. Okay. Uh, there that's a that's a <laughs> lot. Um so I mean, like the not to not to jump the gun, and we'll we'll get into this aspect of things a little bit later. But I think the direction that they're going that could provide some interesting avenues is the whole multiverse angle. Which, um, given oh, by the way, we should probably say there are probably going to be ample spoilers. Yeah, that's also uh, a, good, a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I was. <laughs> uh, so if you don't want various uh, different MCU properties to be spoiled for you in some regard or another, uh. Go listen to Stu's show <laughs> instead. <laughs> just pause this one and go listen to that. Um, but uh, the the considering uh, the direction that they went with uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, it would be, if not seamless, then at least uh, uh, moderately believable to pull in actors from the pre-existing X-Men series um, and just continue their stories so we don't get a retread of origin stories over and 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 over. Um, but I, I also think that that may be missing an opportunity to, you know, reintroduce those characters into this world. Um, so man, I think, I think the way I'd like to see it done is avoid origin stories for all the characters, but call it a clean break. Yeah. Uh, I... Introduce them somehow, maybe in an eternal style conglomerate movie i mean i hate to say this an elegant way of doing it might be in a, a disney plus show maybe an anthology series where each episode introduces a new uh, mutant character and then they get folded into the story later so you get time to kind of understand each character uh, especially if they're going to be portrayed by people who aren't you know the people who played them before so like selling wolverine as anyone other than hugh jackman at this point is going to be a bit of a hurdle to jump but, I mean, I feel like they, that might be a way to go about it. But, again, uh, introducing that many characters into a world that's already so packed, like you said, Stu, with characters, it's it's a whole world unto itself, right? So it, it's going to be a little bit overwhelming, I think, no matter how they do it. I think whatever direction they go, they're going to have to start. I think the multiverse does provide them with the opportunity uh, to put the mutants in their own universe and flesh them out and have them do things that don't impact the greater MCU. And that's kind of, I think, the direction that they should go because, you know, as we continue to have this discussion, I think we're running into a situation where there's so many characters existing in the same space 
it's like how it, it how can they all be so super powerful and not constantly be involved with these like world ending you know things that are coming up it like constantly like I, that that's constantly my thing so anyway uh summarizing that i think if they were to be in their own universe and they get pulled in like almost crossover style in with people i feel like that's probably the best way to handle it because you can still keep those universes separated uh, so, you know, if, if something happens in uni universe A, it doesn't necessarily have to impact universe B. I, I guess that's really my my thought at this point, because I think the direction that DC is going in where things are kind of episodic uh, or sorry, that's not the right uh, standalone would be a better way of phrasing it standalone. I think that's probably more um, sustainable than where the MCU is going moving forward. So, so I guess I don't really have a great answer to what you said, Stu, so I'd be curious what your thoughts are, but that'd be my concern looking at the MC MCU moving forward is, is it sustainable to constantly keep adding all of these characters? Um, I do think we don't need any more origin stories, though. I think for the most part, there's a few different films that have showed you can kind of just jump into it. To oh, yeah, definitely. I think the, the origin stories are overrated, yeah. Yeah, and and they're played, and for a lot of the characters, X Men, I think at least on on the screen, on the big screen, um, their their stories aren't as well known as like the four hundredth time we saw a Spider Man origin story or the ten thousandth time we saw a Batman origin story. They're not quite that played, um, but origin stories in general, I think, have lost some of their appeal um, to audiences just because they they tend to follow the exact same beats uh, over and over again, and that just doesn't make for a, a lot of like super intriguing um, character building or world building, unless you approach it from a really weird angle. But before you do jump in, I do want to address the elephant in the room, which is Deadpool. Uh, because Deadpool exists in the pre-existing X-Men universe. And if they are going to ever loop Deadpool into anything like that, they have to address the existence of the pre-existing dead not deadpool x-men universe um and and that you know that could be a a good avenue for zach's you know let's just separate it and call that its own thing and they're never going to have have a spider-man crossover uh situation or anything like that but you know th there's still that one tie and deadpool's a very lucrative franchise that i sincerely doubt disney's going to want to completely jettison yeah, it's Deadpool is the stickiest wicket of everything involved with the, you know, the Fox verse, I guess, for less of a for for lack of a better term. You've got to keep Ryan Reynolds. You've got to keep that character. I think at this point, his fourth wall breaking, his kind of knowing everything that's going on kind of allows for him to just be the outlier, because what I think they should do with the mutants in general, and then I'll loop back around to what they should do with Deadpool is please you bring them in as some kind of thing where it's obviously with the multiverse, you're going to be dealing with this other reality where mutants exist. And I'm perfectly fine with it being not related to the Fox universe. Um, you don't have to keep the actors as we've seen with uh, no way home. We're, we're used to the idea that, you know, Spider-Man can be played by different actors and look different across universes. Mm -hmm. So you can bring in a Wolverine who's not Hugh Jackman. You can do everything like that. 
I would do it in a way where maybe the universe where the mutants come from, there was a storyline in the comics called House of M. Are you at all familiar with House of M? I am not. But that's why we've so, got you on. You're the... <laughs> so House of M was a yes, comic book storyline where the Scarlet Witch goes mad and she's blaming Magneto and mutants around the world for everything bad that's happened in her life. So she casts this world-altering spell where she says no more mutants. And it turns... Or it, it eliminates all the mutant powers on Earth with the exception of like 190 mutants. So there's only 190 mutants left on the planet after she casts this spell. So I think that's what you do. You have this world where... There's not that many left because something like that has happened. Or you even tie it into whatever Wanda has going on coming up in Multiverse of Madness where something happens and she eliminates the mutant population in this other world and the few stragglers from that reality are somehow brought into what is currently the MCU. So mm -hmm. right there, you're not dealing with like, now we have a thousand new characters to introduce. You can just say right off the bat and say like, there's going to be 50 and maybe you only show six or seven or whatever at the beginning and let us wonder like, Oh, who are the rest going to be? But you've basically put a cap on it. And suddenly like the world isn't like overburdened with these characters. And then you can kind of meet out from there who you want to give a Disney plus show to who you want to put in this movie, who you want to debut in that movie. Because we talked about the origin stories and the MCU has done really well at like putting a character's origin in another movie. Like we didn't need Black Panther's origin yeah. story in Black Panther. We saw where he came from in Civil War. It just got yeah. kind of like very, very well pushed into everything else that was happening in Civil War. So you just do the same thing with the mutants. Like you introduce them from somewhere one or two at a time in various properties, and then you can kind of link them however you want. Uh, I just want to say, I do want to see new actors. I love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I just think you kind of lay off the Wolverine character for a while. I think I agree. the star going forward should be Kitty Pride. I think Kitty Pride has always been the entry level X-Men character. Like she is the surrogate for the fans. Why, that's why she was created. I think you kind of base everything around her. Bring her in. Let her be the character who's like, oh, what's going on with this new mc universe that i'm involved in or what have you and then you just kind of do it all with her and with deadpool i think you can just kind of flub him well enough with anything going on in the multiverse we're like oh accidentally deadpool's here now because like you yep. said that's too lucrative you're not gonna leave ryan reynolds out there you can just bring him in separately he comes into this universe from the Fox universe. He can still make references and jokes about, you know, like, oh, this is different because of X, Y, and Z. But then you're not worried about, you know, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen or James McAvoy and all those characters. You just have Deadpool from there and you can do mutants the way I said elsewhere around the world. I think the cool thing with Deadpool, too, is, I mean, his whole character is basically just like a meme. He, he could yeah. literally, I mean, he dates death like his death is in love yeah. with him the like god or however you want to talk about it so it's like yeah he's such a joke character that i think to your point you could have such a like crappy way to bring him in and it just makes sense because yeah it just works breaks... because it's deadpool yeah 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 he, he he's yeah. just breaks the rules of of everything and i would also say because i forgot to answer this part of your question I would say with the exception of, like, Ryan Reynolds, I would agree. I think it's fine to bring in new X-Men. I think it would probably be better in a lot of ways because it would kind of symbolize that fresh start. And I think one of the cool things about the MCU in general is how it takes some people that are maybe a little bit less well-known and really brings them up. 
uh, and, and gives them a, the opportunity to potentially become big. So I think that's that's a cool opportunity if, if it was given to, to more people. Yeah, I definitely think when they bring in mutants and the X-Men, like, it doesn't need to be Wolverine. We don't need to do Magneto for a while. Like, give us lower tier X-Men that we either haven't seen in the movies very much or haven't seen at all. Like, completely on the my prejudice side, anybody who follows me on Twitter or reads the website knows my favorite comic book character is fucking Jubilee, man. Just give me a Jubilee D- D- Disney Plus show. That's what I want. <laughs> I'll watch that. Hell yeah. Well, n- uh, no, man. I mean, that's that's... Thank you for bringing some expertise so that it wasn't just me, like, throwing spaghetti at the wall. Um, you yeah, know, if to, you ever to, get a chance... what's stuck, if you will. If you ever get a chance, look up the House of M comics. House of M was actually a really good storyline. It, it, you know, don't read everything that happened after it because it's stuck with that whole, like, oh, there's only 200 mutants on the planet for, like, a few years. But, you know, read actual House of M. It's a good storyline. It's a very multiverse storyline, too, because it has to deal with the Scarlet Witch, like, changing reality and everything. It's interesting. Mm. No, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. I mean, I also think you're... um. Your, your, your idea was uh, particularly interesting because bringing in lower tier, well, lower tier is a little bit judgy, but, um, you know, not, not like Wolverine and not yeah. Magneto and not Professor X. That kind of echoes how they started the um, MCU experiment before it was actually a cinematic universe, right? Like, Iron Man was not the shit. No, not at all. Yeah, Iron Man was a Iron Man was a B tier character before the MCU. Like he wasn't a nobody, but I mean he wasn't one of their top characters by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it was a, it was it was a somewhat recognizable character, but not like you know the the top of the the charts. Mm-hmm. And they they brought that character in and said like, okay, well we're gonna give this washed up actor a chance to give this a whirl, and you know we'll see what happens. And we've seen what happens, and it. I mean, call me crazy. I think it worked out pretty well for him. <laughs> yeah, I think they're doing okay. No, I'd I'd agree. I mean, Iron Man's my favorite by far. I I just love how flawed he is, and I think the whole juxtaposition that they they develop between him and Captain America is just so solid throughout the entire um, franchise. Um, but but making sure we're 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 pushing ahead a bit. I think this relates to your question, though, Stu. My question around, you know, how do we feel that they're doing introducing the multiverse? Because in my opinion, I think it's already gotten a little bit complicated and convoluted. And as we mentioned, spoilers. But we've got, in my opinion, three movies so far that really kind of hint to either additional dimensions, other universes, what have you. The first thing I'll mention is Shang-Chi. They go to, I think they define it as another dimension. I can't remember what they technically call the like, um, like Chinese themed uh, world that they kind of go to in that. But I feel okay. like they define that as another dimension. Then we've got Loki, where they're they're talking about timelines and all of that. And then we've got Spider Man, which has multiverses. And so my concern. And, and where this question comes from is like, I just feel like all those things, like, like, are those distinct things that we're defining as differences? Like, are timelines, different timelines, not other multiverses? Or are they the same thing? And that's where ultimately I'm a little concerned that it might get really convoluted. And um, the the I forgot what it's called, the actual word for it. But like your buy-in as a viewer, you might start to think like, 
this is really confusing and getting a little ridiculous, and it's harder to kind of buy in. Whereas it was a very grounded, relatively speaking, story when we were doing like the Thanos arc, because nothing in there was real. I mean, Guardians is pretty weird, but it wasn't so weird that it took me out of it. It's interesting. I would say in Shang-Chi, I think that the place they went was just like this hidden like realm. I don't think it was supposed to be a, a part or a part of the multiverse or another dimension. I think it was just like this this hidden kind of realm that was on earth that just people couldn't get to unless you knew how to get there. So I don't know that that was related. And then okay. we had Loki, which yeah, Loki kind of brought up this idea of there are ways to affect the timeline, but there was an agency in place to stop that from happening. And obviously by the end of Loki, we see that agency fails and reality has splintered off into several different realities. So Loki is what has allowed all of this to happen since then. Yeah. We've gotten Spider-Man no way home. And I would also throw what if in there because what if's entire concept was, mm. you know, different realities of stuff that by the final episode, they're starting to combine and mm. characters are coming together. I get what you're saying. I do think there is a level of confusion there. I think you have to have somebody like Kevin Feige in charge who has this big overarching vision. And I think the vision has to be, at least for the extremely uh, near to long-term future, stick with this universe. Stick with the MCU universe with Robert Downey Jr., the one that he's from. I mean, I know he's dead now, but this one that we've been in. Mm -hmm. And anything else you do, <laughs> just... Let it come into this universe. Let it be all about the MCU universe and how it affects that. Like, don't worry about going outside of this world too much, except for something, yeah, like in What If, where it's this cartoon that we're not even sure how much it's going to impact going forward. Mm -hmm. No, I'd, I'd say yeah. I think Yeah, you're I right. think that's a solid point. It helps keep it grounded. <laughs> no, I mean, keeping it, keeping it grounded is good. Keeping it... Um as cohesive as possible, especially as it fractures off into these weird different, you know, tangents um, is, is going to be important for like audience retention and also comprehension. Uh, and, you know, I think like having a core world that you're building stuff around is um, to your point, a, a really good way of making sure that it doesn't become like completely uh, untenable for people to like follow. Mm-hmm. You can have right. you I can mean, have I, something yeah. like the DCEU, which is like if you asked me straight out right now, like does Shazam take place in the same universe as the Suicide Squad, and does that take place in the same universe as say Batman versus Superman? I don't know. I have no idea what's going on over there. They they individually well, make good they didn't or bad. <laughs> what's that? So that's because they didn't either. Yeah, they don't know what they're doing either. A hundred percent, but. It seems to work okay well enough, but they had to get to a point where that was their plan. Like, all right, the extended universe thing hasn't worked out. We're just going to do piecemeal properties now, and that's fine. But the MCU has set up this thing that is very much not that. And you really can't kind of reverse course on that at this point. At this, at this point, we all expect the MCU is this big continuity universe and we, you can't just all of a sudden start doing like, well, now we're going to do this movie, but it's about something different. Like, no, that's going to be too confusing. Don't do that. So, so yeah, no, no, you're, that's, that's oh, a sorry, really Aaron, solid yeah. point. Like, no, no, I was gonna say that's a really solid point. The, uh, the, the way that the, the DC universe has kind of course corrected by following no course is 
fascinating in a way um because most of their standalone er movies have been better than their connected universe movies mm-hmm. oh um, yeah definitely I, Shazam Shazam is a delight mm-hmm. I I walked into the theater desperately hoping that Shazam would be as much of a dumpster fire as I thought it would be and I walked out like I'm gonna go see Shazam again <laughs> Shazam was just great um yeah I definitely think Jared the... Leto's Joker oh sorry I definitely think the two best movies they've made have been Shazam and The Suicide Squad, the kind of reboot sequel to The Suicide Squad. And those yes. weren't intended to be part of a bigger universe. Those are just like, ah, here's two movies. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That And and I think they finally figured out that that approach um, works better for whatever reason with those properties. I think there was definitely potential at the beginning for them to build a cohesive universe, but they just misfired so many times and rushed stuff and clearly didn't, you know, timeline very well. Uh, so it all just kind of fell to shit. And I also like, call me crazy and I might get some hate for this. I think putting that universe in the hands of a, a Zack Snyder was never a great idea. Um, but you know, it, but whatever, Hey man, they found the shoe that fits and they're wearing it. And so far since they've kind of abandoned the whole, extended connected universe idea it seems to be working but you're completely right if um marvel decided to just do a completely standalone thing i think that would personally be very exciting but it would be tremendously confusing yeah i do think the one thing i'm thinking here is the benefit the dceu well not extended universe but the dc films have in my opinion over marvel though now is that I feel like because of that continuity that the MCU has, you get really shoehorned into a like tone and a format. Like you can't have easily a well. I I feel like it'd be really hard to have like a really mature, dark kind of story in the MCU because it just hasn't been the tone of the stories lately. I will say Iron Man was fairly mature in my opinion. I thought that it was very different than like the new MCU movies. And I'd actually say that Spider-Man No Way Home, I was surprised that um Aunt uh Aunt May, right? Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah, Aunt May died. Yeah. I was so surprised. Yes. I didn't think they'd kill someone in a in a movie like that. So I mean who knows, maybe they are turning that tone a little bit different than it has been historically. But I would argue that DC can do a lot more interesting tonal things to have things like Shazam or like the Suicide Squad, but then the new Batman too, where like those are all kind of different tones. I don't know that MCU can be as dramatic uh, as that. I feel like they've yeah. kind of found a, a consistency. I don't I don't know. Do you agree with that, Stu? I would yeah, 100%. I would definitely agree with it. I would say, I mean, look at how we started this discussion by talking about, well, how do you bring the X-Men in? And we had this big, long, like 20, 20 some minute talk just on how you bring in this entire concept of there being mutants. Now, the nice thing about DC is they don't have to care about that. <laughs> if they yep. wanted to do something with, say, the new gods or, uh, you know, some a property like that of theirs it doesn't matter. Like you don't have to worry about, Oh, well the new gods didn't show up in Superman or Batman. So how do we just introduce them? You just make a movie. It doesn't matter. You just do whatever you want with them. You're Mm -hmm. not bound to like, well, how does this fit in with what we've already shown? So both, both versions, there's a plus and minus to both. The problem with DC is like we talked about, they just, they took a second fig, 
figuring out how to get where they are now. And I, th I think they're in a better place now, but mm -hmm. just keep doing what you're doing. Like, yeah, you can make a Joker movie, make a the Batman movie that doesn't have anything else to do with super people. Because like the Batman, does that movie work in a universe where Superman exists? Probably not. No. Yeah, like Batman as a character probably shouldn't exist in the same universe as Superman. It doesn't make any sense. So just let Batman have his own universe in the movies and then you can do Superman Justice League stuff elsewhere. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But in Marvel, yeah, they're in kind of a little thing where it's like, well, everything has. Now it's all puzzle pieces. It all has to fit. Yeah. Yep. Just playing an extremely high stakes game of Tetris <laughs> uh, with millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> millions and millions and millions. And at this point, what? It's like a 25-year game of Tetris. Or a 15-year game. Holy crap. No, it's crazy. That's so long. But before yeah, we get... Yeah, no, I mean, like, I... Sorry, what are you going to say, Aaron? Uh, oh, I was just going to say from 2008 to now, I mean, we're in the 14th year, yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> There's people younger that than wild. that. A lot of people younger than that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <it's, laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> that is that is that is how letting your time does work. Yeah. <laughs> um, Don't patronize me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, no, I uh, look. I've said enough dumb shit on this podcast that you know I'm not casting any aspersions about your intelligence. Oh yeah. Um, there was a whole period on this stupid show where I input like Scatman bits. Like it was, <laughs> it's whatever. Uh, so yeah, no, I mean, I, I no, but I, I just to kind of echo what you guys were saying and you know, hopefully not reiterate it completely verbatim. Um, there's no way that the Joker happens in the MCU, mm -hmm. right? Right, yeah. There's there's no way that the Batman happens in the MCU, even though it's a PG-13 flick. It's, it's just not feasible because they've built such a huge world around the idea of everything being interconnected. They don't have the flexibility to, to go out and do something weird and different and maybe subversive and maybe controversial, right? The closest they've been able to get is just from Sony because that's not part of the MCU. Like with something like the Spider-Verse, um, it's a, a, a fantastic film into the Spider-Verse. It's so good. And it's, <laughs> Oh yeah, it's so good. But, uh, the only reason that exists is because of a rights disagreement between, uh, you know, the people who own Spider-Man versus the people who own the MCU, right? Like, the only reason we got any of the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies is because they managed to work out an incredible deal. So, you know, outside of something like that that was experimental and different, the structure of that universe just does not allow for standalone experimentation. Mm -hmm. So... You know, that again, like you said, that's both a plus and a minus. Um, I'm glad both exist. Yeah. And I'll I, say that. I do think a cool thing, and this will be my last thing, and then Aaron, if you want to, well, unless you, you've got something you want to you want to bring up as an ending note um, uh, before our last question. But uh, I do think the nice thing about the MCU is that because it is all connected, you can bring up weird heroes like Moon Knight. Or, you know, you can uh, expand upon, like, the Falcon or, I mean, heck, you know, we mentioned I Iron Man earlier. But it the fact that people have already kind of bought into the MCU, I feel like, really provides the opportunity for it be to be easier uh, to go and see some random hero you know nothing about that might look kind of weird. Because you're like, well, it's part of this larger story, so I may as well check this out. And who knows, maybe you'll really like that character uh, that you didn't know about before. I feel like... For DC, I don't know 
if it would be quite I don't think they're going to the make same. a Gorilla Grodd movie anytime soon. Isn't there a Polka Dot Man? Yeah, because he, well, yeah, he, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. he was in the Suicide Squad. Yeah, he was in the Suicide Squad. He needs a standalone movie. That's <laughs> or like Calendar Man <laughs> or whatever. God. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, that's my 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 end note at least on on my my question. Your thoughts, Stuart. Uh, you know, I I really like that we've entered this point of continuity. I, it's what I've always said in, about comic books that I like is I like there to be continuity. I want what happens in issue 400 to matter to what happens in issue 600. Like, I don't like the idea of we just keep resetting things and these stories matter, but these stories don't anymore. And so I like that the MCU has created this long timeline thing. And because real life people aren't comic book characters... You can't keep Spider-Man 30 years old forever. Like, Iron Man had to eventually, like, age 10 years, and yet you kill him off and move on. And eventually in the Disney Plus show, we're going to get Ironheart, who's going to be the successor to, to Tony Stark. This is what I want. I want a universe that is a timeline, but characters do actually age, and you just have to keep going the whole time. So... I, I really like that. I have no idea how we've segued away from talking about the multiverse to this, but that felt like the natural next thing I wanted to say based on what we had said. <laughs> I like the idea of this. Well, yeah, it, it all just has yeah. to deal with scale. I think that's kind of the, the, the connecting point, but I agree with you. Yeah, and I mean, that, that, that actually does segue reasonably well into mine, which is at, at what point does the amount of content being produced become so overwhelming that it's impossible to keep up with right like this this was a concern that proved to be eh, more or less unbased uh during the um mcu phases up to uh infinity infinity war and endgame uh but now in order to keep up with the the story you've got uh, 150,000 Disney, that's what it's called. I almost said DC. <laughs> Disney Plus shows. <laughs> You've got 150,000 uh, Disney Plus shows. You've got all the movies still, and they're all in this connected universe. And to me, that does two things. One, well, actually more than two things. It does several things. I will not put a number on it. One, it represents a pretty high cost of entry uh, in order to fully understand everything that's going on within this universe and as they've aggressively pushed into television that has become more of an issue two it represents a huge amount of time investment you have to watch every episode of loki and wandavision and this and that and you have to keep up with the movies so you're paying money and you're spending a great deal of time uh and and three it it pigeon in my opinion it can pigeonhole writers um like we were talking about a little bit before we're like at, at what point do you use the malleability like when do you lose the use of the malleability of this universe because there are just so many separate plot threads and so many different things you have to tie together that certain storylines certain creative angles certain character arcs just become off limits as long as we're not basing everything directly off of comic books, which I don't think we were any we're doing anymore. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but you know it it, it just seems like there is a we're reaching a saturation point where keeping up with all of it requires a lot of investment from fans, but 
uh, represents a dwindling amount of potential for creators. That's yeah, my I, thought. I, I definitely agree with what you're saying about pigeonholing writers. Like you said, if you're working on one big, long-standing continuity story like the MCU is, you're definitely not allowing people to do exactly what they want to do. And we saw that years ago already at this point. We've seen Edgar Wright just walk off Ant-Man because they weren't letting him do what he <laughs> yeah. wanted. Oh, yes. So he just <laughs> left. And, I mean, it turned out fine. Edgar Wright still has a great career. Ant-Man ended up being a great character in the MCU. But, yeah, I mean, there are things. Kevin Feige is ultimately the man who's in charge. They have directors. They have screenwriters. But you're always going to be beholden to Feige, for better or worse at this point. Um, directors and writers just basically have to know that getting in. Like, you're not going to get a Christopher Nolan MCU movie because Christopher Nolan's not going to want someone over his head. Christopher Nolan's going to want to make his thing. Mm -hmm. And so you're yeah. not going to get somebody like him or Scorsese, obviously, or like huge name directors coming in because they're not going to give up that level of control. But the opposite end to that is you get a lot of people that can come in that maybe aren't as big and they can really make their name in the MCU. Like James Gunn was not a nobody by any stretch of the imagination, but he came in, got to do guardians of the galaxy and just blew up like everybody loves james gunn yeah, now taika waititi again not a nobody by any stretch of the imagination but i mean what we do in the shadows the hunt for the wilder people these were kind of niche movies and then he did thor ragnarok yeah. and everybody knows who taika waititi is now so it's nice that you can bring in these people who aren't the big names and let them you know, get a name for themselves, then they can go out and make their own product that, you know, people are more likely to see because it's like, oh, it's that guy that directed four. Awesome. I'll go see that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think too, and, and Aaron as well, um, but I don't know that the interesting thing about the TV shows, because you brought up you brought up the TV shows, I don't know that any of them have directly really impacted the movies yet. I think that in Multiverse of Madness, we're going to see some of it because of Scarlet Witch, who obviously went through her whole thing in WandaVision, and then some of the references to the What If series. But I don't believe in Eternals or uh, Spider-Man, No Way Home, or any of that, that there was anything directly referencing, at least. Now, I hadn't seen the... Um, I must say Green Arrow, but that's not what it is. I haven't seen the uh, the Archer guy uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye, yeah. thank Hawkeye. you. I haven't seen his show, but Falcon Winter Soldier, I don't think has really been referenced in movies. Loki really hasn't been referenced in any of the movies yet. And WandaVision, I don't think has really been. I, I might be wrong, Stu, but I, I don't think their stories have impacted the movies as heavily yet. I'm suspecting that this next one will see more of that. But but am I on point with that or am I wrong? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, to this point, that's been the case. We all kind of suspect that Doctor Strange is going to be the movie where the TV shows become much more relevant. Honestly, as weird yeah. as it is, the closest we've come so far has been Charlie Cox's version of Matt Murdock appearing in Spider-Man No Way Home, which has thrown a huge spanner yes. into the works where it's like, wait, I thought the Daredevil stuff didn't count. Does it count now? Yeah. No, that was such a cool cameo. That, that was a wild pull. I love that. Oh, I loved it too. I, I marked out in the theater for that. That was one of the best moments of that movie was getting to see him as Matt Murdock. He catches like the brick, right? Am yes. I... Yeah. 
I'm a very good lawyer. <laughs> I'm a very good lawyer. I loved it. Such a good scene. I love that. And now it's, yeah. And you didn't say, or you said you haven't seen Hawkeye, so I won't, I won't say too much else, but there's something else that kind of similar to that happens in Hawkeye, and we get to see a character. But yeah, so now it's just like, so wait, are, are the Netflix movies canon to the MCU because of what No Way Home did? Are the Sam Raimi and uh, Mark Webb Spider-Man movies canon to the MCU? <laughs> No, but getting to the, the to the bigger point that was introduced here, like, yeah, 100 percent, you're going to get into the situation where the big movies, when you whenever you get into whatever the next MCU version of Infinity War and Endgame is, you're going to be tying up a bunch of stuff together and how much are people going to know about it? A hundred percent. It's tough to to know at that point. I will say we live in the age of Wikipedia, so it's a lot easier now because I started reading comic books in 1989. And when I started reading Marvel as a comic books, like dating back to Spider-Man and Fantastic Four number one, had been around for almost 30 years. And I just had to get into it. And like, I started with Amazing Spider-Man number like 348. And it was like, all right, this is it. I got to just get in and figure out what's going on. And I think that it's easy enough for people to do that, especially with movies. And especially nowadays where it's like, if you just pick up a movie and you're like, oh, you know, what what was Black Panther up to in the last movie? Uh, you just go on Wikipedia and get a summary for the movie and then you're all caught up. You know what's going on. Yeah, I think I think um, I think that that is a really good point and an extremely useful tool. But if I may sit upon my high horse for a moment. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The, there's there's something to be said for the holistic experience of watching and understanding a, a, a film or a series of films as part of a universe or a timeline um, and, and actually experiencing them, right? So, I mean, like, for whatever reason, the only thing I can think of right now is Lord of the Rings. Uh, but a better example might be Star Wars. You can watch Star Wars, uh, for better or for worse, episodes one through nine, and get basically everything you need to know in order to understand the characters' arcs, in order to understand what the 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 the, the creative minds behind it were going for, and what you're supposed to take away from the experience. Um, I do not think that a Wikipedia page can replicate that, and I'm not sure that I, I'm, I'm sure that you're not arguing that it can. Um, and don't get me wrong, I've definitely done that for video games. I've played Metal Gear Solid <laughs> games and had to read and... Yeah, Zach knows what I'm talking about. Read and reread <laughs> the Wikipedia pages to understand, like, okay, so wait, so he's liquid and now he's not? Now he's Venom? Okay, whatever. Um, but there's there's something about the amount of content out there about this stuff that, you know, is, if it's if it's sequestered to Easter eggs then that's one thing. But if it's plot-important stuff, that's a completely different thing. And I think if you've created a universe that requires people to either watch hundreds of hours of content by this point, I think... At least a In order to fully understand and absorb and appreciate and resonate with what they're seeing and the characters, then maybe, maybe it's just too big now. I will say... I think that, you know, for for throwing some shade at some of the MCU movies, I don't, this may just be me, I think you could honestly start your journey into the MCU with uh, Infinity War, and, uh, wait, that's the first one, right? 
end game as the last one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Infinity yes. War then you, Endgame, yes. I think you could just start at Infinity War and probably figure it out and, and still appreciate it as a movie. I would say I think that the MCU does a pretty good job of even though their stories make up a larger puzzle, so to speak, they all are kind of self-contained in their own way. Now, I wouldn't start an Endgame because that's clearly like a part two to a larger story. But like, yeah, yeah. I I think for the most part, with the exception of maybe like Civil War, which would be kind of awkward, I think without some more context, that the MCU has actually done a fairly decent job of making their movies fairly self-contained. Uh, actually, Spider-Man No Way Home yeah. would be a little bit weird because of how it gets kicked off. But like, I, that's kind of my that's my gut feeling. Yeah, I mean, okay, I'm 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 just gonna respond to that right quick. Uh, if I Come had not me. grown up with the Sam Raimi, uh, Spider-Man movies, mm-hmm. I would have had absolutely no idea what in the ever loving fuck Tobey Maguire was doing <laughs> in this movie. Um, but, but no, I think, I think you're right. They've done a decent job of keeping most of them self-contained, but as things continue to fracture outwards, my thought is that like the, this idea of one movie being a cohesive experience that you don't have to understand, you know, 20, 30, 40 different other pieces of media, whether that's an episode or a full movie, you know, that's that's falling by the wayside. And I, I wonder if that is, like you said before, sustainable, um, you know, as it, as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, is it eventually going to get too unwieldy to manage and still make it feel fulfilling for each individual experience? Mm. I think what you get to is because of what I said earlier, where you're dealing with real life people and these people are going to come in and out of movies because characters are going to age and actors are going to want to move on. You have something that is essentially self pruning. Because say you're someone who right That's now just decides point. like today I want to get into the MCU. Like, you don't have to watch the 27 movies that have already come out. You don't, at this point, if you want to start right now and just know what's going on going forward, you don't need to watch a single Iron Man movie. You don't need to watch a single Captain America movie. You don't need to watch uh, just a bunch of stuff at this point. I mean, you can pretty much just say like, all right, I'm going to catch up on, uh, I don't know, but there's a uh, just a couple of things. Like, what's coming out? Like, say you want to watch the Ms. Marvel show that's coming out on Disney because you think like, oh, this young character who is uh, Muslim, who is something that we haven't seen before, that resonates with me. I want to get into this character. To watch Ms. Marvel, you pretty much just need to have watched Captain Marvel, and that's all you're going to need to get into Ms. Marvel. If you really like yeah. you know, Wire Foo, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon stuff, and you wanted to watch Shang-Chi, you didn't have to watch anything to just go enjoy Shang-Chi. So... It's this nice little self-pruning thing where, like I said, going forward from this point, do you need to watch the first two Thor movies? No. Do you need to watch any of the Captain Americas to know what's going on from this point onward? No. And that stuff's all there if you ever do want to go back and enjoy them. But I think it's just, and I feel so bad. I feel so bad. I am 100% coming off as this huge MCU apologist and just defending everything they do, but I love it so much. No, 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 no. Because (laughs) there's always the part of my brain that's just like, I wish I could go back to 14-year-old me and just be like, let me tell you what movies are going to be like. They're going to be the comic books. Like, they're going to be large, expansive, ongoing storylines that look great. And I never would have believed myself. So I'm just a big fan. I think the way it's working out now, like, I think it's a self-pruning bush at this point. It loses pieces as you don't have to, as you don't want to enjoy them. Like, right now, 
in the near future, is there anything that you have to have seen the Falcon and Winter Soldier for? No. But in a year or two, if they release a, a Falcon Captain America movie and it's still there if you want to watch it, go ahead. But, like, it's not going to impact your enjoyment of, say, She-Hulk or Moon Knight that's going on right now. So I think they do still have enough self-contained stuff. And then the big event stuff, like I said, whatever the next big Infinity War Endgame is, that's kind of where you and your friends piece together your information, where it's like, all right, well, I saw Moon Knight, and this is what happened, and you saw this, and you kind of share your information, and you have a, a big, like, water cooler moment where you're making the big discussion and figuring out how it all works. I, I think that's a, that's a really interesting point. I had I had not honestly considered, and I really like the way you phrased that as self-pruning, Um I had I had actually not considered that uh, side of the conversation. So, yeah, yeah, no, like I think I mean, you had twenty some movies that led up to Endgame, and then with Endgame, a bunch of stuff from those twenty get pruned, and you don't need them anymore to know what's going on going forward. And I think it's fascinating. I think some of the stuff too is like I mean they just basically I know there was initial there was an initial Hulk movie. But, like, they just threw the Hulk in. You didn't need to watch any kind of Hulk content to understand what this guy's about. But I will say, to I think both of your credit, I, I think ultimately uh, it comes down to there are probably some viewers that it will peeve off more than others. Oh, yeah. I think the MCU is just not for everybody, and some people just like the DC formula more. And uh, so... I mean, a lot of people just flat out don't like comic book cinema. They or, view or that, it as repetitive yeah. <laughs> and formulaic, and you have guys like... Uh, Martin Scorsese and women like Jane Campion who've made their opinions abundantly clear and it's completely valid opinions. I mean, not everybody in the world's going to like the MCU, but I think for those of us that do like it, I think it's still chugging along pretty well. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I will say um, much to the MCU's credit that I was uh, a little bit, I mean, I wouldn't say worried, but I, I would say dubious about... Um, or in regards to the future of the MCU following Endgame, like, where are they actually going to be able to take this? How are they going to be able to introduce new characters that we're going to care about as much of this as much as this original core cast? And I think they've done a really good job of that, both in terms of developing pre-existing characters, including Scarlet Witch and, frankly, Loki, uh, and also even Hawkeye. Like, what the hell? Uh, the most boring <laughs> character in all the movies, hmm. uh, you know, and they've they've done that and then they've introduced new stuff. So, no, I, I think that they've done an, an admirable job of keeping this grand experiment going for as long as they have. And I don't think it's showing very many signs of slowing down. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I think that the uh, the overall architecture of the world they've built is still impressive if, you know, in my opinion, a little bit unwieldy. Oh, it's definitely unwieldy. Like, I agree with you. I mean, no matter how much I can sit here and say, you don't need to watch X movies at this point. Like, there are still 20-some movies. There's still, at this point, half a dozen TV shows they've introduced, and now they've thrown in the nebulous concept of whether the Netflix shows count or not. So, I mean, trust me, I get it. I 100% get it. But I also have been somebody who's been watching from day one, so... I think at this point, yeah, it's just water cooler discussion. Like, you get around, you discuss it. So somebody's seen this, you've seen that, you compare notes, and then you're all caught up on everything. 
I also I, yeah, I, I mean, feel hey, bad. I compare a, a decent it, analog to comic books. Yeah, I was. That's literally what I was just gonna say. I was gonna go back to what I said earlier, where it's like when I was a kid, man. Like Marvel didn't say like, "All right, we're starting at Spider-Man number one again for you." It's like, "Hey, kid, we're on Amazing Spider-Man number three hundred forty. You either read the Stan book or you don't." <laughs> and I picked it up and just kind of yeah. wung it. I just, I just winged it. I just figured out what was going on, what mattered, what didn't, and went with it from there. And I think like I think people were smart enough to to still be able to do that. Yeah, it's one would hope. It's the comic it, book industry doesn't think they are. The comic book industry reboots every three minutes nowadays. But I think that for the movies, they're still smart enough. Who's the? But as we kind of transition to the end uh, here, I'm just curious. I know that the Flash is used frequently to reboot in DC. Is there an equivalent character that does re- like basically reboots stuff for the MCU? No, the uh, Marvel is weird in the comics. They have never really done an actual reboot like DC has. They just kind of have this sliding timeline where like when I started reading comic books in the 80s, Punisher was a Vietnam War veteran. Like if they they're not going to release many Punisher books nowadays because of what that character has become. But let's Mm -hmm. say Tony Stark. Tony Stark was in the, the Vietnam War. Now, like, obviously the current iteration of Tony Stark could not possibly have been in the Vietnam War. So they just kind of slide the timeline and shift it to like, well, he was in Afghanistan. Like, at some point, it just kind of becomes this like little like, ah, we're just going to fudge some facts and, you know, erase something and then pencil something back in. And Marvel also like, yeah, they have a multiverse in the comics and they kind of ram planets into each other. And it, it's it's very confusing. <laughs> Yeah, I think the that's DC why I said is... I like the movies, because these characters, you can't fight the fact that these characters, the actors do age. So yeah. you have to work around these things like in the comic books. They're never going to write out Spider-Man and be like, oh, he's 60 and retired now because they want to <laughs> sell Spider-Man books. So, yeah, they've got to figure out a way to fudge the numbers where he's always 30. Jeez. No, you're I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> well, like you said, self-printing. Yeah. Well, as we uh, as we end out here, Stu, do you want to do another uh, shout out for yourself and and where people can find your uh, social media, whether that's Twitter, your website again, all, all that stuff? Sure. So the uh, the Twitter handle and the website are the same exact thing. It's SWO Productions, uh, the website, obviously, dot com. And the podcast on any of your pod finders is the Stu World Order podcast. And of course, make sure to check out. I don't remember the episode number, but uh, the dread episode that we we guessed on. Obviously, we're a little biased, or I'm a little biased in making that recommendation. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, definitely check out Stew World Order podcast. I've listened to a few of your episodes, and I always have a good time. So, well, thank you so much. I'm very glad to hear that. I love you guys too. I told you whenever you were on, I, I get a kick out of your show and talking to you too. You guys are hilarious. I love talking to you guys. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, can color me flattered and uh, dare dare we hope maybe uh, you know we can we can uh, jump onto each other's shows again at some yes. point yes absolutely 100% alright I'd definitely be down to do another Stew World Order yeah except we'll, we'll have to do um, we'll have to do like a painful like just a painful movie that makes us all bleed <laughs> out the eyes that's what we're into yeah, like, now like hurt us <laughs> we're into pain there are yeah, a lot yeah. of bad movies we, on we, that we list we guessed it uh, we we guested um or we we had on our show um Joey yeah wait hold on Zach am I going completely insane he was on our show yes yes Joey Joey came on um from so, from so wizard yeah. podcast oh, and we yeah. watched voyage of the rock aliens 
It was not uh, painful enough. And we, we, we felt like he was going soft on us. Yeah, Joey likes making people watch crap. That's that's Joey's thing, man. He wants people to watch terrible movies because he loves them. He, uh, not on my show, but we did an episode on another show, Pinto Comics, together, and he made us watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation. And you had a great time. That's a rough watch. Yeah, it's it's a, a real bad. But we did have a good time, yes. <laughs> but 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 anywho, uh I guess unless either of you had anything else uh hugely pressing, mm-hmm. nope. um we can we can let you go about your evening. Uh not to uh date the episode, but <laughs> it is evening time. And uh yeah. Uh thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you again for having me, guys. Can't thank you enough. Yep. Thanks, Stu. And welcome back to the uh, normal section of the show where it's just Zach and I and not people who are intelligent about comic books. Welcome. We're glad you're here. And now it's time to say goodbye. Goodbye. Well, not yet. Uh, First, (laughs) I have to thank Beach Girl. You do. It's true. You're obligated contractually. Yes. Uh, did you know Beach Girl is extremely litigious? Exactly. Uh, it was an ironclad contract. No, no, all joking aside, Beach Girl is a fantastic band. Go ahead and check out their music on Spotify. I believe Bandcamp still? Is Bandcamp still a thing that's going on? I know it's I'm pretty sure a, it's it still matter. a thing. Yeah. Uh, and also probably SoundCloud. Um, you can support them, I believe, uh, more directly through SoundCloud. But uh, any way you can get Beach Girl into your ears is a worthwhile way to do so. And I would like to quickly thank E. Dougie Art for the wonderful album art, cover art, however we call it. I switch the name every single time, but you know what I don't switch? I don't switch my opinion of E. Dougie Art, who you can find on <laughs> Etsy as well as on Instagram. So make sure to show show show, show some love for the love of God and uh, show your support. We really appreciate it when you help our friends out and obviously uh, support the show in that way. So, yes. And uh, also, uh, it, it would be wrong of us to end and not thank yet again uh, Stu for hopping on and also for having us on uh, on his show not too long ago. So check that out as well. Absolutely. Stu World Order is a really fun show. If you're a fan of comic books, comic book movies, you know, n- nerdy, geeky stuff in general, uh, the show is, is well worth checking out. It's a high energy, very fun type thing. My cat is trying to escape to a different country. So I think that might be either my cue, cue to get a different cat or our cue to go. Probably probably the latter, but I'll let you make that uh, the decision on the first okay. one. I don't know. <laughs> I do I do like my cat. <laughs> so instead of instead of getting rid of my cat, I'm going to slowly fade away from the podcast. Right Goodbye you. everyone. <laughs> Disney, that's what it's called.